Bowlers. Up, bowlers. Are you looking to gain mental focus over your competition? Do you ever need that extra burst of all natural energy during league play? MindFrame is the first all natural supplement packed with vitamins and all natural ingredients to keep bowlers at the top of their game. Supports muscle recovery and joint support for the day after that long tournament. You cannot continue to neglect your most important tool, your body, if you want to win. Experience the striking power of MindFrame. Visit s3direct.com. That's s3direct.com. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us on the Above180.com podcast today is Mike Jasnow. Mike is a PBA champion as well as a USBC Silver Certified Coach and Bowlers Journal Top 100 Coach. And Mike has done over 6,500 video uh, lessons. Uh, he's considered to be one of the best instructors in the country and is entering his 13th year of coaching at the National Bowling Stadium. Mike runs the Lane 81 there. Mike, Tim Berg, and Joyce Rar here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I'm a, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to let everybody know about what I do here. Great, Mike. Well, let's, let's begin. First off, just tell people what do you do, what Lane 81 does for bowlers, and, and your setup at the National Bowling Stadium. Well, it's a great setup here at the National Bowling Stadium. In the pro shop, we have a full-length lane, everything in regulation, full-length approach, full-length lane. I have the USBC 2011 Open Championship condition down for the lessons, so you get a chance to bowl on the condition you'll bowl on in the event. I have uh, video. We do. I break everything down in your approach, side view, back view, close-up of the release to a tenth of a second. We also have one of the only CAT systems here on the West Coast, uh, that's a computer-aided tracking system. Gives you lots of good information about what the ball does on the lane. Ball speed, speed control to a hundredth mile an hour, accuracy to a hundredth of a board, angles to a hundredth of a degree, and uh, so we get a lot of good information here on this lane. Okay, uh, Mike. My, my first question is in regards to when the average bowler comes to you, your your first client of the day, let's say, or do the majority tend to ask you? primarily about lane play, uh, ball choice, layout choice, or, or do the majority look for help to kind of correct little imperfections in their physical game? Most people, the biggest complaint is inconsistency, and most people are always worried about the release. And uh, both of those things, the inconsistency and bad releases, are usually results of problems, not problems. <laughs> right. So so the the individual actually wants help to physically fix their game even days before they're going to bowl the national tournament? Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, a lot of people will do it before they bowl. One, they get a preview of the condition. But two, they get a little tune-up. Okay? So, uh, you know, some people, if you've never had a video lesson, I would suggest some, for some people to do it after bowling, just so you don't overthink about what you see. Some people are a little bit shocked at what they see if they've never seen themselves bowl before. <laughs> So it works Definitely. both ways. Some people bowl better right away. Some people go out in lanes and start thinking about everything they saw too much. Okay, so my my question is when someone comes in and you do the videotaping, uh, 
sometimes just little keys tend to be helpful as opposed to revamping their game. Exactly. Very rarely do I have to revamp a whole game. You know, uh, the majority of the people that come into me are a little bit on the higher level. I have worked as low as a 47 average. You know, so it goes from the whole range from a complete beginner to the top touring pros that come in for help. Great. Again, Mike Jazz now joining us on the Above180.com podcast. And, Mike, I know before we were uh, getting ready for this interview, you, you told me a stat that I thought was rather stunning uh, about the amount of bowlers that are in the, the top 10 of all events and how many of them have actually came by you for a lesson. Well, I, I can tell you I know about the top four, and three out of the top four have came in for the lesson before they bowled the tournament. And that's a pretty amazing stat in, in my opinion. Uh, obviously top bowlers when they came in, but just little tweaks to the push rate, little tweaks in the swing, made things fall into place, uh, adjusted some surfaces for some of the bowling balls just so they read the lane pattern a little bit differently. And especially with a higher-level bowler, little things can make really big, nice differences. And, and one of those individuals we had on the show just a few weeks back, Todd Filter, and, and right. Todd, as you know, a very solid game, you know, 400 uh -huh. rev rate player and, and solid at the line. Uh, he basically gave, you know, kudos to you in that you just gave him just a little something to think about to keep his timing in check. Exactly. It's little tweaks here and there, especially for the top-level bowlers. Also, a big part of the lesson here is not just doing this, doing this to, to make it look better. It's you understanding your own game better. So when something does go off, you understand what happened, why it happened, and how to adjust to fix it. Well, Mike, let's touch briefly on the pattern there at the National Stadium for the USBC Open today. It is 41 feet, which is a foot longer. Uh, just talk about what you see and what, what bowlers are seeing and maybe a couple of the common mistakes that you're seeing when you stand back from a distance and watch bowlers and wonder why they're not scoring. Sure. I think uh, compared to last year's pattern, it's pretty similar. And I can tell you, for being a sports shot, this is a really, really nice shot. Now, that being said, you've got a bowl well to see how nice the lanes are. I think the main difference in the pattern this year to last year, this year there's a little, quite a bit more head oil. And as well, there's more back end. Now, it's a little bit deceiving. Yes, the, the overall pattern is a foot longer, but with a drop brush system in the machine, the actual heavier oil is shorter. So the ball kind of scoots through the heads a little bit cleaner, which also gives more back-end motion, as well as there being more back-end this year. And uh, I think one of the, the, the biggest things I see that people do badly on this pattern, and uh, it's, it's common with most house bowlers, in my opinion. They want to see the ball go long and snap hard. And on this type of condition, the lane is giving you that, the skid snap. So if you use a ball that also gives you that skid snap, it's very hard to control and be consistent. Right. So due to that environment, Mike, uh, let's take an average bowler spec, someone with, say, a 16-mile-an-hour to 16.5 off-the-hand ball speed, uh, near a 300 rev rate. Uh, I'm using my specs, by the way. 12-degree uh, okay. axis <laughs> tilt, 80-degree rotation, uh, generally very consistent with speed uh, and lane playability anywhere from, say, board two to fifth arrow. Uh, should a player like that use more pin downs to control the back end motion when the ball leaves the pattern? Yeah, that is a good drilling. Now, I have a question for you. How do you know your speed is 16 to 16 and a half off your hand? Is that the reading you see on the score monitor, or is that something you've 
had checked? Uh, I've had it checked on CATS as well as okay. with Bowler's Map. And uh, typically on the monitor, it will register about 14.5. Okay. So well, we typically I, I add two miles thing. an hour to that. When you come out here, we're going to work on developing better ball speed for you. Okay. Good. Because yeah, at my age, rate, that, that's, a, that's a given. I, I need that. Okay. <laughs> Because if a rev rate of 300 with a ball speed at low to mid 16, you're hooking the lane too much because of low ball speed. So two ways to, to combat the condition, so to speak, is a pin down drilling is a more stable condition off the pattern. It's not going to jerk left off the pattern. It's going to roll but not be angular. The other solution to that is adding a little bit of surface to the ball. When you add surface, the purpose of adding surface to the ball on this type of pattern is not to give you a lot of hook. It's actually to control where and how much the ball does hook. So are you finding bowlers are using more surface, say on this year's pattern, compared to last year's pattern to basically just control that back end motion? Uh, not necessarily. I, I don't think this is the type of pattern where you want a lot of surface. When the back end is very dry, if there's a lot of surface, it'll start to hook a little bit too soon and not have enough energy at the pins. So, you know, a moderate surface around 2,000, I think, has been working very well. And that's basically what I've been hearing from customers of mine that have, have returned from the tournament. Uh, also, it, it appears from the videos I've watched and the bowlers I've spoken to, uh, players with maybe a little more forward roll, end over end roll, especially in games one and two of team, tend to have a little bit better look than those who tend to come around it quite a bit? Uh, yeah, overall. But, you know, most bowlers come around a little bit early. So that's where a little surface, a pin-down drilling, can help negate some of the angular motion on the back end. Okay, and, and are you seeing, as the pattern breaks down, let's hypothetically say there is a pair that has seven bowlers working together, uh, are the better adjustments to shell down and stay similar to where you've been with feet and target or to make your parallel move, say a two-and-two two move or a, a four-and-two move? I think it's better to stay with the same ball initially, you know, for at least a few moves. You know, two-and-ones, maybe a, a couple of little parallel moves in there once in a while. Um, I, I think it's good to stay with that same ball, same motion, for at least through game one into game two. And as you're moving in, if you don't lose your pin carry, by all means, don't switch balls. You know, if you start to move in deeper and sometimes when that happens, a pin down drilling or a ball with more surface will tend to hit weak. You'll start leaving a weak 10 then square up, leave a four pin, carry goes away. That's a good sign to either make a bigger move with that same ball or switch equipment. Mike, want to just touch on a lot of has been made about teams kind of carving out lane patterns and carving out an area where they like to play and then exploiting that area and moving left off of it. Have you noticed teams being able to do that? Because judging by the team scores right now, leading 32-54, nothing to sneeze at, but it's not that 33-3400. Right, and it is still early in the tournament. Um, scores are overall higher this year by quite a bit, actually. I think last year it took uh, a good three weeks for a team to shoot 3,100. This year there was a 3,200 the first weekend. And there's already several scores over 3,200. There hasn't been a high score yet, relatively. Um, I don't think this is a type of pattern where you need the mindset of we're going to use something really dull in practice and quick move in. I think the shot's fine right off the bat, to be honest. I don't think this is a, the type of shot you have to build. I think you just have to 
play the right part of the lane with the right equipment and be smart and keep up on lane adjustments. So overall break point when the ball comes off the pattern, and I know this is a difficult question for you to answer, but uh, after speaking with Mo Pinnell, and, and Mo is, you know, genius, borderline genius, uh, he feels the best break point on that pattern, looking at the graph, can be around boards five or six, yet the videos I've watched on bold.com, it appears as though the break point or, or off the pattern could be more eight, nine, or ten. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do, actually. And with the CAT system, I can measure breakpoint to a tenth of a board. So uh, I've done quite a bit of experimentation on the fresh condition, different equipment, different surfaces, playing different lines. And I can tell you, and I have kind of mid-17 ball speed off my hand, around 300 rev rate, you know, just kind of normal release, stay behind it fairly well for not bowling anymore. And uh, I have between about five and eight at my breakpoint to hit the pocket. Uh, when the pattern is shorter, as it is this year, even though the overall length is longer, the, the, the heavier soil is shorter, you need to be further away from the pocket when the ball breaks. So I agree. I think the break point should be between about five, six, seven. You know, for straighter guys, maybe seven, eight. On, on my lane here, when, when I bowl on the fresh, if I'm left of eight at the break point, a lot of shots go high. When I talk about a break point of six, seven, say, that's sliding around 20. That's not sliding at 30 and swinging the whole lane to that. A lot of people that say there's hang this year are sliding left of 25 on the fresh condition. So in other words, keeping your launch angle reasonably closed uh, with sliding more toward, say, 18, 19, or 20, obviously on the fresh makes more sense. As the pattern breaks down, then you can increase your launch angles? Exactly. As the pattern breaks down, you'll be making those moves. So yeah, I, I see teams starting out, you know, the straighter players, probably a hair right of 10. The guys with a lot of hand, and I've worked with some guys with rev rates close to 500. And in the team event, they were playing 12, 13, 14 of the arrows, break point five, six, seven. So same basic break point, just get there a little bit differently. As they break down, everybody starts moving in, they tend to open up. So how about the gutter? I mean, I always look for a shot off the gutter, no matter what tournament I go to, at least in shadow balls, just to yeah. see if there's a little bounce off boards one or two. D does that exist on any of the pairs out there? Not that I see. On my lane with the CAT system, if I get a right of about 3.8 at the break point, it doesn't want to come back. So I see out of bounds right of four. Okay, and, and speaking of pairs, you know, there's been so much talk, especially when the Masters is out at, at the stadium, of certain pairs playing easier than others? I mean, have they tried to counteract that uh, conventional wisdom in, in that trying to make the pairs more consistent across the house? Uh, well, the, the characteristics of the house is what it is, just like any bowling center. You know, you go lane to lane on a, a regular 40-lane center, no matter where in the country, the, the lanes are going to play differently. Not drastically, but they play differently. And you're right, during the Masters, if you look at the scoring in the Masters, you have one match, 710 to 740. You have another match, you know, 580 to 590. Both high quality matches. So, yeah, some pairs are a little bit tougher than others. Uh, I think it depends on the pattern. Definitely how the plays, how certain pairs play. But uh, I think it's a pretty fair scoring environment this year from low end to high end. 
Joining us on the uh, Above180.com podcast is Mike Jazz. Now, uh, Mike, we're going to have a flyer up so everyone that listens can can get all the information regarding contacting you since you are busy. And you set these up basically from from sunup to sundown almost, we could say, correct? From you know about 8, 9 in the morning up, in, up until 8 o'clock at night. Is that about correct? Well, I've cut back my schedule a little bit. I used to do seven lessons a day, and those are hour and a half lessons, so that's 10 and a half hours without a break. And, uh, you know, I, I do work basically seven days a week for the tournament. So that was a little bit tough to maintain. So I've cut back to only doing six lessons a day, first one being at 9 a.m., last one being scheduled around 4.30 in the afternoon, every hour and a half. So I would definitely book ahead of time if you want a certain day and a certain time. At this point, I already do have several days in May that are already booked and I have people booking appointments into June already. Great. And just want to touch on, on what Joey mentioned uh, with the certain pairs playing different in the stadium. Have you noticed or has there been a, a pattern in where some of the, the honor scores are being shot, whether that be team, singles, or doubles? You know, to be honest, I haven't seen much bowling on the tournament lanes just because I'm in here all day long. Um, and I don't know what pairs the honor scores are shot on. So I don't want to give you bad information uh, I just have to say I don't know what pairs those scores are shot on. I know there's been high scores on the low end and on the high end. I don't know the specific pairs. You know, I, I have a kind of a unusual question to ask you, but let's say you're in a situation where you're, you're set up for doubles and singles and you go to your pair to kind of see how they're being broken down and, and unfortunately you see some classified bowlers on that pair thrown down the middle of the lane. Uh, what's your best suggestion for bowlers say of the higher skill level to do to counteract that knowing that the lanes could be tighter down lane than they were even in team well and you bring up an excellent point and uh the point is before your doubles and single squads do your homework show up early find out what four lanes you're going to bowl on don't just look at your first pair look at both and they could play completely differently you know especially if you're left-handed you might have three lefties on one pair none on the other they're going to play differently now I think you have to have an open mind. If you see a classified team bowling ahead of you, you shouldn't think, oh, my God, I'm screwed. I'm not going to bowl well. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you definitely have to keep an open mind. Uh, you can look at the positive of that. If they're playing, throwing plastic balls down the middle, yeah, you're going to have a lot of holds. Okay? And I agree the backhands might be pretty tight. So you're going to have to tighten up your angles, play a little bit tighter line. And to, uh, to bookend on what you were saying and make even the exclamation point, Todd Filter, who came by you for a lesson, shot 21-43, followed two classified teams for both of his squads, and exactly what you're saying happened. He said he moved to his one pair, his singles pair, I believe, he said, and he just had tons of hold area. He could miss left, right. and he had hold area. Right, exactly right. And that's the thing. A lot of people see classified teams and say, oh, great, following classified teams again. And they're setting themselves up to bowl badly. Doesn't mean you're going to bowl badly. You know, you, f you throw some good shots, read ball reaction, make the adjustments. I think the shot's there no matter who bowls in front of you. Obviously, that depends on who bowls in front of you to some degree, but if you bowl well, make good shots, read ball reaction, you can still bowl well in anything. Right. And, and, Mike, what, what is your opinion on bowlers? Because you know the, the trials and tribulations we have shipping equipment. Uh, how important do you, th do you think it is for most bowlers to bring a spare ball? Uh, that depends on the bowler. I think for most bowlers, yes, that's important to have a spare ball. Personally, I do not use a spare ball. Uh, I, I just throw the ball end over end, and I can throw it straight. Um, I, to be honest, I don't bowl much anymore. 
either. So when I bowled the tournament, I used two balls. And uh, that was it. One of them was not a spare ball. <laughs> uh, I think the advantage of a spare ball is there's less variables from condition to condition. So, yes, if you, use, if you regularly use a spare ball, by all means, be, have that shipped as well as your regular first ball balls. Mike, one of the questions that me and Joey, what we're, we're preparing for this interview, is how many uh, repeat customers do you see where they're, they're going to hunt you down and find you every year? Uh, they might bowl a different time of year. A lot of people, bowlers are creatures of habit, so we like to bowl close to the same time each year. But how many people do you see coming back year after year or maybe every other year just to continually work and improve on their game? A lot. I would say uh, close to 50% or so of my lessons are repeat customers, if not more than that. Uh, my best advertising is always word of mouth. So when somebody takes a lesson, then they go home and they increase their average 15 pins, well, certainly they're going to come back again and they're going to bring a friend. Um, some of the differences before and after videos are quite dramatic that we see in an hour and a half. You know, I've had, you know, especially the 170, 180 average range, I've had people increase 20, 30, 40 pins after one lesson. So, you know, and a lot of people know, okay, it's a tune-up. There's nothing wrong with getting a little help with your game once in a while, especially right before a big tournament. So a lot of repeat customers. Yes, we all need help with our games uh, from time to time. In fact, sometimes more often than not. But, you know, regarding the equipment choice for bowlers, uh, say an individual comes to you and, and he has two pieces that, in your opinion, aren't going to work. In other words, say it's a, you know, five-inch pin way above the fingers, high-polished surface, and the other ball is similar as well. Will you recommend for that bowler to at least change one of those balls or possibly purchase another ball to give them, say, a, a viable look just due to the way they throw a ball? Absolutely. In fact, I have pads here. I'll change surface on the spot. And, in fact, I did that. Uh, Kelly Bonta, who's currently leading all events, uh, was in here. His surface was a little bit off. I added some surface. The first ball he threw, he had he saw the difference in the ball roll, and he had more room for error. So yeah, it makes a big difference immediately. Uh, if someone really is in need of a bowling ball, sure, I'll recommend a new ball. And in fact, Storm is one of the sponsors here for Lane 81, and so I'm associated with the Storm booth. Uh, there is a coupon in the USBC booklet that you get when you check in. The team captain checks in for ten dollars off in the Storm booth for taking the lesson. I can give you another ten dollar off coupon for a ball in the storm booth also. So obviously my first recommendation would be a storm ball <laughs> since I do work for storm. But uh, if someone's locked into a certain company, Ebonite, Brunswick, I can make recommendations. Sure. Mike, want to wrap up with one question. I know in Albuquerque you had the team uh, lesson that you were able to sign up for, and we did that. That was, uh, again, our best year that we had in, in team event. Want to talk about or, or find out why, I guess, we just you, you guys just continued the team practice and team lesson that you kind of were giving there in Albuquerque. Well, I did that in Albuquerque and Vegas. That was a USBC program that they hired me to run for them, and which I really enjoyed. It was, it was fun working with the teams like that. The results were awesome. Just like in Vegas, I think... Uh, Less than 2% of the teams did the team practice session. That less than 2% made over 55% of the teams that broke 3,100. So the numbers were pretty astounding, the success rate. 
Uh, in Reno here, I'm on one lane. This is where I've taught for 13 years now. It's kind of tough to get up to 10 bowlers on one lane, as well as I'm usually booked with individual lessons here. And this lane is really set up with the CAT system here, with the video set up. Um, you know, for the team practice thing, it was more about helping a group of bowlers have the right ball, play the lanes the right way, no video, no cats. It was more about just kind of helping them play in the tournament. The setup here in Reno is more about improving you as a bowler. So, Mike, can bowlers look forward to you traveling with the uh, national tournament, possibly to Baton Rouge next year? Uh, I have not decided that yet. Um, one of the problems I do have when I go to an outside city, I'm at an outside center, and uh, bowlers are kind of creatures of habit. You know, they're, they're in town. They don't like dragging their bowling balls all over town from center to center. So when I'm at an outside center, my business is cut down by quite a bit. So my income is cut down as well as when I'm at an outside city, my expenses go up. So... You know, you don't have to be a scientist or a math major to know that if you have higher expenses and lower income, it doesn't work out the best. <laughs> so I will likely be here next year. We have women's nationals here at the stadium next year. I will likely stay here and work that. I have not completely decided yet. Um, I would say there's a 10% chance of me being in Baton Rouge set up, a 90% chance that I'll be here in Reno. Great, Mike. For the women. And just want to get a final question we have for you. We know you have to run. What are some tips that you may have for bowlers coming out to Reno as far as when they're back here, back at their hometown, maybe getting ready to get their arsenal ready, just what you think they should have in their bag? Well, hopefully you can bowl in some kind of sport condition just to get some idea of where your game is. On a house shot, you can make big mistakes. It doesn't matter. You don't see the results of big mistakes any sports shot, you'll see where your game is at, okay? If, if you bowl on a sports shot and you average 40 pins lower than a house shot, there's an issue in your game causing that. I would recommend doing some work on your game, getting some video analysis done, see what's going on with your game. As far as equipment, you definitely want something smooth in reaction for the fresh conditions. You know, like I said, one of the biggest mistakes the medium or novice bowler makes, they always want to see skit snap on the ball. They want that big back-end reaction, that's not the type of reaction you're looking for in the fresh condition. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between the top-level bowlers and the mid- and lower-level bowlers. The top-level bowlers are always looking for a controlled reaction. The mid- and lower-level bowlers always want to see the ball hook a lot on the back end. And actually, uh, in this month's issue of Bowling This Month, there's a good column. Uh, it's called The Roundtable. I do every three months where people can write in questions, and I have a panel of four expert coaches answer. One of the questions is about ball reaction and addressing that, that exact issue where a lot of the lower average bowlers like to see a lot of back-end hook where the higher-level bowlers don't want to see that. Right, and part of that can be their rev rate as well, Mike. Do you agree? Uh, somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, but, again, when the lane is giving you that skid-snap reaction, you don't need to exacerbate that with a skid snap ball reaction so so in your opinion do you feel even in singles event and say a bowler follows some quality bowlers in front of them and they're going to be forced to be left of third arrow do you think then it's possible that a skid snap reaction could give them a good look or are they still better off with a smooth motion no as the lanes break down and you move in definitely want to go to something with a higher pin maybe a little bit less surface so you can get away from the pocket and have it recover stronger 
you know, the, the more controlled reaction is more for the fresh condition. Okay, when and anyone who bowls PBA stuff, sport leagues, they should always have a nice pin down drilling for a fresh condition. It's a more predictable reaction. Not only does it give you more room for error, it keeps you out of trouble more effectively. And I totally agree in that that pin down basically allows that core to respond slower and smoother toward friction, allowing the ball to be a little more readable and possibly give the bowler a little bit more room for error if they miss inside their target. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And now if you're out here, you don't have a pin down ball and you, you don't want to buy a ball, yeah, we can simulate that with surface. But I can tell you on the fresh condition, a pin up ball with surface is not quite as good as a pin down ball. Well, Mike, we want to uh, thank you for the time you have uh, provided for us today. I know you're very busy, and hopefully, uh, number one, go visit Mike, folks, when you're out there, if you're listening to this podcast. Go to Lane 81. It's right at the USBC Bowling Center, uh, just right there. Uh, we're going to have on our website on Above180.com a flyer, which will have Mike's contact information, all the information we've been talking about today. And, Mike, best of luck, and thank you again for joining us, and we'd love to do this again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity, and I uh, look forward to seeing a bunch of you guys that are listening come in to see me here in Reno. Uh, I think the scores will be high this year already. Overall, the scores are higher than last year. I would not see, be surprised at all to see a team shoot a big score over 3,400, 3,450 in team event. That's where I'm looking for a winning score. Hopefully, it's somebody that's listening.